welcome back. Uh, I guess this is kind of like season two of the Float Universe podcast, even though the season one was kind of iffy. So I guess the people that are listening, welcome, welcome back. Uh, I don't do commercials or a bunch of BS before, so we're just going to get started. I've got Champ with me today. He's one of my favorite Instagram accounts. It's uh, 5D Awakening Consciousness. His big thing is the Great Awakening poster, and I have been obsessed with it since my friend uh, Pat, shout out to Pat, uh, sent this to me about, I'd say, six months ago. So welcome, Champ, 5D Awakening Consciousness. How are you doing this evening where you're at? Thanks so much, Garrett. It is an honor to be on your podcast because uh, I think the float gods have brought us together today. Everything is meant to be. There are no coincidences. So it's, it's been really amazing to follow you on Instagram and having no idea who you were. And I always referred to you as the meme god. And people would message me and they would tell me that they know you. So I got to meet some of your friends before I even met you. And um, somehow we are now talking. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, man. It's the beauty of the oneness of the universe that uh, you're, you're across the world and I don't never met you at all. And yet uh, for months I've had all kinds of people send me the poster and the work and uh, the stuff you're doing. And I just love your aesthetic, by the way, the colors you choose and the fonts. And so I'm just a big fan all the way around of all the stuff you're doing. And uh, basically for me, I, I saw your poster and I'm like, oh, my God, like this is the uh, this is like every conspiracy theory I have ever, I mean, in, in conspiracy theories I've never even heard about before uh, on this poster. So I'm really excited to talk about the poster. But yeah, uh, I wanted to, uh, so yeah, I guess you're a floater too then, right? Uh, as from what I've heard, you float? I've floated many times, more than I can count on my hands. Um, I have some good experiences and uh, fun experiences. <laughs> we can talk about all of them. For sure, man. So much to talk about with this uh, with this poster in your account. Again, it's super inspiring. The Great Awakening. Uh, I believe it's happening uh, for all of us. On the uh, personally, there's a, a microcosm event of what's going on internally with me, and obviously the macrocosm of the world. I, I wonder if you also over the past couple of years, and specifically the past few months, have been going through anything like internally, any kind of shift uh, physically? Have you, have you have healed something? Have you uh, shifted to a higher state? Uh, what's going on with you in the, in the microcosm? Oh, man. I've, I've been awakening since, I would say, like officially 2007, 2008. And during that time, during the past decade, I've had my ups and downs. I've had my dark night of the soul. I've had my healings physically emotionally, mentally, spiritually. So the spiritual awakening has many, many uh, events of healing. There's all sorts of stages that you go through. But uh, I, I really, really, I really evolved as a person from when I first graduated from college all the way till now. So uh, in my life currently, I've... Uh, I'm following the path of a yogi, and I've dedicated my entire life to studying the non-dual mind teachings of Dzogchen. And uh, Dzogchen is from the Vajrayana school of Buddhism. And uh, this style of meditation is something that uh, once you find it and you really understand it, it's the best thing to do is to practice as a yogi and to fully dedicate oneself to uh, experiencing this non-dual state of mind. So the past two years, I've 
completely moved away from Los Angeles and I've come to move uh, and travel around Asia. So this year I've been living in Thailand and I have a small meditation retreat house that I live in. And that is where uh, I've been hanging out and practicing meditation every day. Wow. Okay. So that's that, that's one of those questions I had was, uh, I knew you were in uh, Bangkok, but I wasn't sure if that was your nationality, if you're from that part of the world. And I guess, are you an American? Yes, I'm American. My ethnicity is Thai. So because I'm Thai, I have dual citizenship. I have two passports and oh, that's, that's I'm good. able to stay in Thailand as long as I like. So that's why I'm here and I'm st sort of starting a new life, um, moving away from California my entire life. Yeah, man. I think you got out at the right time because I've always said this. When the shit hits the fan, you don't want to be in a big city, uh, especially L.A. or New York uh, and probably Chicago, too. But definitely those two on the on the opposite coast. You don't want to be there. And, and as you can see with the coronavirus stuff, you're locked down and you can't do anything. And you're on, you know, you're stacked on top of people. And it's just craziness. I couldn't imagine living in L.A. or New York City during these things. Definitely. I was uh, meditating in a cave for 10 days and when I came back down, that's when the lockdown occurred. And I didn't really have a clue as to how intense the world had gotten in those 10 days. So uh, it was pretty funny because it's like I meditated for 10 days, no electricity, no cell phone. And then when I came back down the mountain into the town, like the entire world had changed. And I was like, what the, did I like meditate myself into like another reality or something? Yes. Uh, it was brilliant. It was really fun. <laughs> All right, so the so the big thing we're here to talk about uh, is the poster, right? I mean, is this this is like, where did the idea from the, for this poster come from? And I guess to to explain it to people real quick, my my version of what the poster is is just, you have this Great Awakening poster. It's got all these things on it, and they're all kind of grouped in their own little subgroups. You've got the Moon, the Secret Space Program, uh, you know, Q. You've got uh, Antarctica. You've got all these things, and the, and uh, it's all these conspiracy theories. They're well they're well laid out. I, I what did, what was the genesis of this project? Where did you get the idea from? And uh, I guess, yeah, let's let's hear the story behind the poster. Okay, so for your audience, uh, we're talking about my Great Awakening map. And if anybody wants to follow along during the conversation, um, the map is found at greatawakeningmap.co. They can download it for free, um, high res. Um, so remember, I was telling you that I had my awakening around 2008-ish. So that's like 10 years that has flown by. Um, within that time span of 10 years. Um, I was living in Los Angeles as a freelance graphic designer. Um, I had all the time I ever needed to stay home and do as much research as I could possibly do on metaphysics, consciousness, you name it. So in those 10 years as a researcher slash designer, I had amassed so much knowledge in my mind, but I had not done anything to share that knowledge. And as a designer, as an artist, I felt like I had the, I had the need, the calling to create something to awaken humanity at this time. Um, so two years ago, I sat down to create the Great Awakening Map. Um, I wasn't able to write a book at all in 10 years because I didn't even know how to write a book. So I decided same, same. A one-page one meme would be the most powerful way 
to awaken as many people as possible. So I sat down and I made the sort of intention to my higher self to channel this information. And I was like, universe, let's do this. I, I've got to make this one page meme the best hitter of all time. I want to awaken humanity as quickly as possible. So over the course of a weekend, I was able to lay out the entire Great Awakening map. And then within over like a week span, I had perfected the layout and the information was still coming in. And then that's when I released it on Instagram. So maybe mid 2018 is when it was first released and the rest is history. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that. It's uh, qu quite an undertaking to, to have all these things uh, sorted out the way you do and the order they are. And it's a beautiful poster. And uh, I have it hidden in the back here because to put it out in the lobby, I think, would, would invite too many questions that I don't have all day to, to talk about and answer. So <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with this poster. I believe probably in about – I mean, the thing is I haven't had a chance to even look at all the things on here. But uh, I'd say I look just at, at a, every time I look at it, I'd say about 80 percent of these things I'm fully invested in believing in. Uh, but uh, some of these things are far out, like inner earth civilizations, you know, like uh, there's lots of things I want to talk about. I've got a few a few specific talk, topics I'm really interested in. But uh, it's interesting that you talk about it as one giant big meme, too, because, uh, I, you know, I, I tried to write a, I'm still trying to write a book. It may be a book about memes. But uh, yeah, and I, and I do feel like what you're doing is the way to kind of do it too. like ask the higher self or, you know, that that inspiration and, and you just channel it. But uh, I just haven't been able to get there. Uh, and I just kind of do it one one little thing at a time with the with the regular memes. But, yeah, this is just like one giant meme. And I, and I, and, uh, I love it so much. So um, so let me ask you this. Do you do you believe in everything on that poster as being uh, rooted in somewhat of a truthful reality? Pretty much because this was my path to awakening and everything that I found out during my, my, my decade of being a researcher. And I only put on there the things that I felt were the best types of awakening knowledge to quickly lead somebody out of darkness and toward the light of full enlightenment in one lifetime. So there's a lot of things I left out and there's a lot of questionable things that I put in the map. Um, I just wanted people to awaken as quickly as possible. So I focused on the, the biggest, most eye-opening, mind-expanding topics that would quickly lead somebody um, toward a full understanding of the big picture of how everything fits together. And I think um, during the time I made the map, uh, QAnon had just come on the scene. So the people awakening politically to QAnon really prompted me to make the map um, about the connections of Q and the secret space program and the Earth Alliance and the whole thing towards free energy and even ET extraterrestrial disclosure because QAnon alluded to uh, extraterrestrial um, intelligence uh, more than once. So it's very important for all the patriots and anons around the world who have awakened politically but maybe not so much uh, consciously or, or spiritually. So the Great, Great Awakening map really helps somebody see the entire big picture of reality, not just the political scene, but everything um, interconnected with consciousness and the future of 
of humanity and the new earth. Yeah, I'll, I'll t totally. I'll tell you what. Um, when I first saw this poster, uh, I had been in the conspiracy world now for like 20 years. So I have like all these pieces of the puzzle, right? And I'll, what I've noticed recently about people who are just getting into Q is they don't have a lot of pieces of the conspiracy puzzle. So they'll get into the game. They might know a few things, but it doesn't make any sense to them or they think it's just beyond belief. It's too crazy. It's insanity. But for somebody like me who has like, I think I have almost all the pieces of the puzzle. And to look at your map, it's like, okay, like this, uh, basically everything I've ever believed in is right here staring me in the face saying that they're all connected and I you know the Q stuff really does bring all it does bring a lot of connections to these other things like the sp secret space program like you know the conspiracy for years that where where were these trillions of dollars going right uh, a secret a secret space program perhaps and then you see Trump's involved with that and the Q and then the intelligence and the you know this this secret fight against the cabal since at least you know the 60s with Kennedy and so for me it's like uh Right around Trump, right around when Trump got elected, I was taking a lot of acid. I was doing a lot of things in the float tank, and I was shifting reality really hard. And I wasn't even knowing I was doing that to a degree. Well, uh, right around that time, I also gave up on conspiracy theory because I came to the, the the kind of conclusion was, you know, the whatever I'm putting my energy to, it's kind of creating that reality. So why am I going to waste my time uh, putting myself towards? basically fear and uh, worrying about uh, you know the the deep state or a new world order trying to get me so i kind of let that go around that time because things were just so insane i said you know what i was i was deep into my own awakening and uh, i said this is just something i can let go this is a non-essential thing for me and so I'd let that go for years, and I thought that Trump was potentially a shitty person, a bad person. He wasn't trying to do anything, but he was just, just a complete, you know, screw up. But then I realized, wait a minute, you know, anything that the media is saying, usually there, it's it's like going the opposite direction of that because they're not leading you into any kind of helpful, truthful, uh, betterment, or you know. Uh, anyway, the point is. I got back into it because I realized that the Q stuff was basically talking about all these things that I had let go of. And it basically, if I believed, if I wanted to believe in Q, that they were going to clean all these things up. It was this final uh, conclusion to all these things that have been going on for years. And and I looked at it in, 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 in relation to my life, the macrocosm and the microcosm, because I tru truly believe as above, so below, that uh, – I looked at my life and I was going through my own awakening. So why wouldn't a man? Why wouldn't humanity on that the macro scale be going through it with me? Like we're all connected. I'm awakening. The world's awakening. Now sometimes I feel like I'm towards the front of the spear, to the tip of the spear. We're going in first. I think you are too. I think you maybe be a little bit more spiritually advanced than me. Uh, not that we're competing, but you know what I mean. Like you're you're even closer to the front of the tip of the spear. Whereas somebody who's you know maybe asleep or not as awakened, they're towards the back. Then it's going to be a little bit more bumpy ride as we enter the awakening. But to be honest, uh, the coronavirus was a blessing for me because we got to do so many things here. We got to shut down. We had silver linings, and I got to chill out for a month and a half and go deep into. Q and your poster and some of these things on the poster. I got way back into Project Looking Glass, which is an absolute one of my favorite things. And then I, I realized, uh, and your poster really helped, that uh, oh, for, for the QAnon thing to actually be real, like I, I, one of the epiphanies I had was that, okay, there, there may be some time travel here. There may be, they may be using some kind of device that this technology may be real. And why, why couldn't it be real, right? Any uh, any sufficiently advanced technologies like magic to us, you know, to people, you know, 
relatively speaking. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm just running my mouth here. But yeah, man, the poster has super inspired me to go back into conspiracy stuff. Um, I think the Great Awakening is happening. I think uh, people like us are experiencing it not not as bumpy as other people. So are you a Q? Uh, I guess you're obviously a believer in Q then. Yes, bro. You said it 100%. Everything you said was amazing. You really, you really follow the awakening really well. Um, the map is just a, it's just a messenger, you know, with his hand pointing um, to the topics. Um, I'm just a simple messenger myself, sharing the best knowledge that I've gained from all of the, the best researchers in consciousness and metaphysics. Okay. So, you know, even the even my map has the looking glass on it. If you look really closely, and you'll see that looking glass is right next to the Q section. So there's so many things on the map that I had put on prior to Q releasing information about the looking glass. So it's very interesting how the consciousness of uh, the world, myself, and others have come together where this map is sort of um, foretelling future events. I didn't create it for that purpose, but it, it is serving that purpose in, in several ways. Um, so people have messaged me and they, they have said that, oh, the map keeps making these future predictions come true. But I haven't really made any future predictions on the map. I've just created a huge, um, a huge way of showing how everything is connected. So when things do pop up, during Q drops or when they do pop up on mainstream news, uh, it's already on the map. These are things that conspiracy theorists 101 study. So this information that I'm sharing is is not hard to come by. It's just how long have you been yeah. in the rabbit? Yeah. So no, well, it's really is easy for somebody to, to find the path that I took. Because you said maybe 80% of the map, you, you can... Uh, you can agree with so that means you've had a very similar path of awakening as myself oh for sure i mean the thing was the map and q and everything just hitting me at once and your map was a big part of that was i'm like the, the implication from all these things was for q to be true for me the the project looking glass has to be true because future proves past and okay so i'm looking at your map i'm looking at the q stuff and i'm immediately having this uh, conclusion right at the beginning and it just, again, it hinges on time travel and these devices being able to be real. But I'm like, you know what? I've studied this stuff long enough. I do believe that this is a possibility. And this, you, you know, the linkage. And then I was able to look that, uh, you know, Trump's uncle was involved with this stuff and the Tesla technology when it was, uh, when, when, you know, when he died and they took, the government took his files. And so my, my theory on all this is, and I don't know how you go in deep with all each one of these little things on your map, but I certain 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 things here I've gone deep into for a long time, and I'll start with Project Looking Glass. Project Looking Glass is like this to me. There's it seems to be a few different devices out there in in my research. There's the Yellow Cube. There's Project Looking Glass, and then the Project Looking Glass itself comprises of many different looking glasses. If you've looked into it, some of it claims to be reverse engineered from alien technology, which resembles a pineal gland, and then some of it. Uh, the the stuff they say is Babylonian seals that they've found and, and they've translated and they've you know gotten the technology from that. So my theory is this: I think there's, I think I, I mean this is a crazy stuff. I'm just going to go crazy time here. I don't care. 
but I think that uh, I think there's good Freemasons, and I think that, that you know I, I think there's right-handed path Freemasons, and I think there's left-handed path Freemasons, and I think that Trump and the allies and the alliance may be on that right-hand side, and of course you've got the cabal, the deep state on that left-hand side. I do believe they both had access to the looking glass technology in warm, one form of, or another, meaning that maybe Trump and the allies had some kind of thing with his uncle, and then yet the deep state had their own version of the looking glass. And if you look into the looking glass project uh, deep enough, you'll see that uh, they, the deep state, at least the nefarious side, they shut it down right around 2010, 2011, 2012, depending on which account you believe, because they ran into an event where if they kept using the technology, it would have been basically an end of the world event for them. So if you believe it or not, they shut the looking glass technology down, and then they wanted to wait until this event had supposedly happened, and now they're using it again. Again, if you believe this stuff, that's what they claim. And so my theory, again, with Q, if you look at the Q post, if you look at the the Q clock and how these things line up and how future proves past, it's like with the looking glass, the way it looks for people who are listening that don't know what, what we're even talking about is they have a device, right, where they have set it up. It's supposedly a reverse engineered pineal gland, which allows you to uh, look forward into p possible timelines and look back at the timeline you've come across. You can't look backwards and at least from this device and get multiple timelines, but you can do that looking forward. And so what they can do is they put people in front of this machine, they project uh, their consciousness into it, and then they see something. And it's, it's truly dependent on the observer. So it's like, it makes sense that it's a reverse uh, engineered pineal gland on a larger scale. It's dependent on the observer to, uh, they put people in front of it and say, look at the time of Christ. And some people would see nothing. Some people would see the crucifixion. It's totally dependent on the believer. And so what I think happened here is you've got the good guys and the bad guys, even though we're all one, um, you know, the relatively dark, nefarious, deep state looking at it, looking to you know maximize their power and control. And I, they ran they ran into these two events. And uh, I think we're on the timeline that is the winning timeline, which is where we ascend. Which, which is where God wins, which is where, you know, like the Q and the Patriots, they've looked at this device and they've made all the moves now. And I think it's nothing at this point but watching the dominoes fall, right? I mean, I know there's people outside of our, uh, you know, in the game of polarization. I know there's people out there playing the game of polarization where, uh, you know, they, they can't see the end as good or bad, but uh, or, or they only see it as bad. But uh, I truly believe that we're on that timeline uh, by the virtue of God's grace that, uh, you know, the world's going to heal, it's going to shift, it's going to be bumpy at first like any birth, but I truly believe that uh, the Project Looking Glass stuff, the, the Q stuff, I truly believe that the Q stuff hinges on this being true, because if the Project Looking Glass isn't true, there's no way, because that was the immediate takeaway was the future proves the past. I'm like, how the hell can they do this unless the, unless this thing is true? And I, I've always believed that looking glass is true. So there's my little little talk on looking glass. I don't know how much you know about looking glass, but that's what I've been able to take away from it in a nutshell. That's awesome, because uh, all of the above, I would I would circle everything you said. Um, my, my understanding of looking glass is that um, the good guys and the bad guys both had this technology. But for some reason, um, I don't think that the cabal is able to use it any longer. You have to remember that this technology is um, given to us by extraterrestrial races, benevolent extraterrestrial races. So these extraterrestrials have an investment in making sure that the technology that they've given to Earth is used in the right way because they're karmically involved with whatever happens to the technology that they give us. Um, before so you when you don't believe in you don't believe in uh, bad 
aliens or bad or demons or, you know, it, things that would introduce something to a culture that would say, okay, destroy yourselves or, you know, create loose, loose for us to feed off of pain and, and fear. From what I know is that only 1% of all ET groups are negative. And that 1% is, uh, is known as the reptilians and the Draco who take over all of the, the institutions of, of our world. Um, but when looking class was used a long time ago, maybe back in the 60s and 70s, when they would view the future timelines, if they tried to go past the date December 21st, um, I think 2012, they would see only pure white light and they weren't able to see anything past that date. So it was really interesting that Looking Glass is still being used now because they figured that after December 21st, 2012, there would have already been the great solar flash, which would have pushed everything into the fifth dimensional plane, which is why they were only seeing pure white light past that date. So it's really interesting to me that Q is still using Looking Glass but what I really think happened is that the technology was uh, improved or they're using a different version of the looking glass technology. Because back then, um, in the 60s, 70s, they were using a back-engineered chair of a UFO craft. And when the extraterrestrials sat in this chair, they would um, have this sort of headpiece they would wear that would allow them to steer the ship um, anywhere in the cosmos. So any ship that is able to um, travel faster than the speed of light, it's also able to travel forward and backwards through time. So it was just a, a byproduct of this technology that it was able to peer into the future. This view screen that they would wear would just automatically show them the future time anyways. So that's what they were using back then to, to view the future timeline. It may have been a sort of reverse engineered pineal gland as well. Go ahead. Yeah, from all the stories that you've told me and that I've heard, um, it, it does seem very likely that the secret space program had their hands in um, assisting the Earth Alliance with this technology, which QAnon is, was able to, to utilize with the Earth Alliance um, being helped from the secret space program alliance. You know that's an, that's another interesting one, which actually yeah, it does tie in the Looking Glass, which are the jump the jump the portals and the wormholes and the back in twenty program. You know what I mean? They send you there for twenty years, they bring you back, they erase your mind and bring you back to the age you were, like the craziest shit you could ever think of. And that's where I, with Project Looking Glass, I'd say you know what? This is just this is iffy stuff here that we're teleporting to Mars and we're we're regressing in age. We can do that with technology. Cloning's another interesting one. But, uh, you know, the interesting thing about Project Looking Glass to me is uh, I, I truly believe that it's real at this point. Um, I, I, and looking at this stuff, uh, I realized that, okay, the news is fake, right? A lot of news is fake. It's an agenda. And you know, I've, I'm a historian. I, I have a degree in history. And now I look at history and I think, well, I'm just, you know, I was just reporting. I was, you know, history books, nothing but fake news because, you know, who, who, wrote, who wrote the stories of the winners? And uh, so for me, Looking glass, uh, it, it, it shows me that there's hidden history. We've been lied to, that things aren't the way they are. And, uh, you know, I truly believe that there's, there's the one you were talking about. I think the one you were talking about is called the Montauk Chair. 
And then there's the reverse engineered pineal gland uh, version of it. And then there's the yellow cube. And then there is, um, I think those are the main three that I've heard of, the yellow cube, the Montauk chair, and the reverse engineered pineal gland one. Oh, and then there's the Babylonian seals one that they, this is what the Iraqi war was supposedly about in 91, 92, and even 2001 and 2000, uh, whatever, was the fact that they were, there was stuff there that's ancient Babylon in Iraq. There's stuff under the ground there. They needed a cover story to go in there and get these things. The cover story was obviously freedom. The second was we're going to get the oil. And obviously the third one was uh, the hidden story, which was we're going there for ancient Babylonian technology. Because if you dig deep into Project Looking Glass, it's that you basically get those three stories. You get the reverse engineered pineal gland, you get the Babylonian seals, and you get the Montauk chair, which is the reverse engineered uh, UFO chair. Um, all interesting things, but uh, I guess let's switch out of Looking Glass and uh, move over to like the moon because that's another interesting one for me. I I'm not sure if the moon is real or not, but if it is real, I think we've been there. I think the the moon story of it being fake is true. I think we we went there and we had a fake video ready, but we really did go there. So for most people, it's this crazy thought that they can't hold in their mind of, well, the the footage is fake, but we really went. Like most people think it's one or the other. What are your thoughts on the moon? Everything you said, I agree. The the moon um, the moon landing really happened, but also fake footage was also created just in case the Russians were able to beat us to the moon. We had to have a contingency plan. So fake footage was created and fake footage was released in order to cover up some of the ancient artifacts and structures that were on the moon when the astronauts already arrived. Um, I also do believe that the moon is, is fake or artificial. It is a real moon, but it has been hollowed out millions of years ago by a very ancient advanced uh, civilization known as the ancient builder race. Um, this moon, inside the moon from what I know, is full of um, huge machinery designed for giants and there are there are huge cavities within the moon that contain ancient civilizations and ancient bases that have been completely destroyed um, due to wars that have taken place in the moon and on the moon over hundreds of thousands of years so the moon has a long history before humans have even arrived on this planet and the moon has been sort of a uh, neutral zone, a sort of, um, how do you call it? It's a, it's a zone. It's like Switzerland. Where, exactly. Extraterrestrial groups are not allowed to have any wars on the moon anymore. Um, this was enacted as the Muhammad Treaty. I think the name of it is. Um, this treaty was enacted for the reptilians and the Draco who were trying to basically start a fight with anybody in the solar system. So the moon acts as a sort of peace zone where any ET groups who have bases on the moon are allowed to use the moon as an observation point of planet Earth. And that is why on the map you'll see um, things mentioning the Grand Experiment. The Grand Experiment is a group of, I think, 12 or more extraterrestrials uh, extraterrestrial groups who have been custodians of Earth for as long as we can ever imagine. And they've been sort of helping the human um, civilization progress forward 
without sort of getting involved and uh, without interfering on our free will, they have a law of non-interference similar to the Prime Directive in Star Trek. So the moon has been this grand observation center of planet Earth for eons, and it only makes sense that it's, uh, it's hollowed out inside with huge um, abandoned bases and uh, I guess you could say civilizations who used to um, live within the moon for whatever type of reason they needed to. I've got the moon, I could talk about the moon all day long. I'll tell you one time I had a float experience. Uh, they told me not to talk about this, but I don't care. Come and get me aliens. But one time I was <laughs> one time I was in the float tank and uh, you know, I'm there, I'm laying there, I'm having a moment. I wasn't on anything this time, which was interesting, but I started to project out of my body and I came out of my body and I was shooting out like a rocket though. Like I left Earth's atmosphere and I went straight to the moon and I was seeing bases on the moon and then I flew over to the far side of the moon, the dark side of the moon, and there was all kinds of things going on over there and they took me into a base and inside this base there was humans with, I don't know what kind of aliens they were, but they were non-humanoid aliens there with them. They weren't exactly greys and they said, and I was looking at all this technology, and they're like, we got all kinds of things going on up, up here way, way ahead of you guys down there. Don't tell anybody about this stuff. This is a couple years ago. So I think the reason they were telling me not to tell anybody was I would sound like a crazy person if I was started just saying, hey, man, I was talking to people on the moon. But uh, I totally believe that uh, the moon is not what we think it is, and we went there. I think we went there, and they told us to get the hell out of there, and that's why we haven't gone back. But then – you know, if you get into the conspiracy stuff, that's what a normal person might think. Okay, well, we stop going. Why do we stop going? Who knows? Maybe the aliens scared us away. But I think now if you go to that next level, which we'll get into the, the secret space program, which is a really, I think, a tough one for a lot of people to swallow because it's like, where are they hiding this stuff? And, uh, you know what I mean? Like the real space story is just a cover story. So what are your thoughts on the secret space program? And, and uh, where do you even begin to, like, uh, you know, like, I can get documents here and say that this is a primary source document. There's proof of this, but I feel like a lot of the stuff with the space stuff is people channeling things, and you got to take it. You got to take their word for that. And you can obviously have an intuitive feeling if good information is good or bad. But where do you even start with the secret space program? Because my place is, I guess, the trillions of dollars. Where do these trillions of dollars go? But I don't know anything outside of that in terms of legit how to legitimize this information for people. So where do you start with the secret space program? I think, I think what you said about the astral projection to the moon in a flow tank is so amazing. I, I would spend a whole podcast with you on that because that is so crazy that you saw these things on the moon, even the dark side of the moon, which is known as like an entire city. Like people who have seen the backside of the moon have said that it's just full of lights. Like yeah flying over any major city on Earth at night. So the fact that you saw these truths is very, very interesting to me and very bizarre. Um, I've never had an astral projection experience that powerful in a float tank. So I really, really want to... Well, you know, that's the, the whole... More about that later. 
the main reason I got into floating years ago was I was starting to have an awakening experience. I wanted quiet. I wanted stillness, and I didn't know how to find it. I, I wasn't going to sit in zazen. My body was wrecked at that point. And so when I when I discovered floating, it basically started with me uh, with the YouTube videos and and realizing that meditation and, and hypnosis is real, and there's levels of the mind that I haven't accessed yet. And uh, that really opened things up for me. And the book that really opened it all up for me was uh, Ingo Swan. I can't remember the name of the book, but uh, it's about him uh, astral projecting and remote viewing. No, it's about him remote viewing the moon, right? So that book got me into everything. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's Ingo Swan. And it's like it's like Inception or something. It's called some. It's like one word. But uh, in fact, let me just look it up while I'm talking. But yeah, yeah, I'm really familiar with everything that you're saying, and I know Ingo Swan's work. Right. Um, and so he was, he was, uh, they were, the government uh, was asking him to do all these things. And I said, well, shit, this is a possibility because I realized the hypnosis was a possibility. So that's what got me in the floating was trying to, uh, trying to remote view, actually. If anybody wants to get into the secret space program, the main avenue for this is studying the research of David Wilcock and also watching the videos of Project Camelot. Um, from these two researchers, you're going to have the, the very strong base that you're going to need to understand um, how all of the hundreds of whistleblowers all tie in together. Because from the interviews of Project Camelot, they have hundreds of interviews of whistleblowers from the Secret Space Program. And most of these whistleblowers don't even know each other. And David Wilcock is also one of the most high-ranking um, high level He's been able to interview some of the most high-ranking whistleblowers from the most deepest, darkest programs, secret space programs. Um, they've given him information that corroborates with other whistleblowers around the world. Yeah, and that's the, that's the interesting studying point. Studying this for 20 years, you're going to start to see the big picture. You're going to know who's who in the community. You're going to know who's truthful, who's not, who to look out for, who to trust. So um, from my experience, I listed some of the best uh, researchers and whistleblowers on my map for people to sort of research on their own. And there's a lot of people that I intentionally left out because of the information that they share. So I picked the best for people to sort of step their foot into the secret space program. But um, if you follow David Wilcox's work and Corey Good and Project Camelot, um, these three sources are your, your best base for understanding the entirety of the Secret Space Program. And it is one of the most fascinating topics ever, which is why I based most of the Great Awakening map on the Secret Space Program, because people really, really have to understand the importance of ET contact and free energy, which is the primary um, importance within these programs. These programs are using free energy that has been given to them by extraterrestrial groups. Information like this has the potential to change the world overnight. Um, this is the most fascinating and the most important information that everybody needs to know on our planet at this time, because the implications of what we're talking about reverberate not only throughout our world, but throughout the entire cosmos. All the ET groups ha that have been watching Earth since the beginning of time, they are all waiting for humanity to make the jump of consciousness from 3D, 4D to 5D 
And once we reach this state of consciousness, that's when they're able to come to visit Earth in mass and have mass contact and introduce free energy and instantaneous travel and instantaneous healing devices to quickly heal and transform our planet overnight. It's truly, truly incredible the types of information that is being released. The type of information I'm sharing on my map has the potential to quickly change the planet in, in a snap of our fingers, but it all depends on more and more people finding out about this information so that we can have the uh, critical mass necessary to tip our consciousness to that high vibrational frequency where it is nearing the 5D, um, the 5D telepathy, which we are all headed towards. Yeah, I'm telling you, your poster makes me feel like everything that I have thought I wasted my time on these past, I don't know, 15, 20 years has been justified because we are in the Great Awakening. All these things are being unveiled, unsealed, uh, revealed, uh, brought to the light. And it's wonderful because now I'm finally saying to people, look, this is what I was talking about. Like, for example, adrenochrome, right? Adrenochrome was something I had known about for at least 10 years. Google, you know, at a certain point started blocking things. You couldn't look these things up. So you'd sound like a crazy person because you, there'd be almost no way online to look these things up. And so what I noticed around March, like I said, I let this stuff go for years. I just for, said, forget about it. But then the, the coronavirus came around. We got shut down here. I had nothing but time. And so I, that's when I got into Q. Like I said, I got into all these things. I found your poster and it's like, okay, like this is all legit. And so now I'm ready to get out here and be like, I'm already there with the memes and the drugs. I don't care what people think about me, but I'm really out there now. I'm really out there, really ready to say that this is real. Uh, it's true. It's finally happening. I'm, all these things that I've been talking about, I'm going to get, uh, you know, some some kind of end game too. It's like, okay, it, it seems to me like there's this death cult. They've been around for thousands of years. Um, it, I, I guess it's uh, with Hitler and the Queen and all that. It, it came over here during that time uh, to us over here in the States. And then uh, you've got these people in power all over the place in the media and the government, the deep state. Uh, they are a death cult and they worship Saturn and uh, all these things. It's crazy stuff, but uh, it's all coming to the light and it's on a mass scale now. Like, you know, I love it that Ice Cube was sharing about the black cube of Saturn uh, not too long ago. Little things like that. It's like these things have definitely made it into the mainstream now. We're talking about aliens and DMT and, uh, you know, secret things happening on the moon in a much freer environment than you would even five years ago. So, uh let's let's keep talking about the different things on the poster here so we've done so we're still in secret space program so you think that there's stuff going on on mars right now oh absolutely it's not just a dead planet that we're just you know sending little probes and rovers to on on the map under mars i have it written as a slave colony because every secret space program whistleblower who ever talks about mars never never mentions Mars as a, as a paradise or a vacation world. They always mention it as this very, very dark place that's owned by the industrial complex known as the, uh, um, I think, I forgot the name of it right now. It's called the ICC, Interplanetary Corporate Conglomerate. So this is, this is the deepest, darkest aerospace corporations that have completely kept their operations off planet Earth. 
Um, they are controlled by the reptilians and the Draco, but these are humans who are part of this program. They may also be part of the Nazis um, because a lot of the command structure uses German language. So it's a carryover from the Nazis who escaped Earth after World War II. Um, Mars is a slave colony that uses humans to, to do all of the, the, the labor, the manual labor. And um, a lot of these humans are memory wiped, as you were alluded to earlier. Um, a lot of these humans have been born in space. They've never, they've never seen planet Earth. So you can imagine the types of programming they have for these people who don't even know that they're from Earth. Um, these, these slave colonies are not just on Mars, but throughout the entire solar system. So this is one of the deepest, darkest aspects of the secret space program. And this is why Space Force was created, because we are going to have to go out there and save these people and reacclimate them to the truth of reality and help them either help them home or help them find better lives throughout the solar system. Um, the, the secret space program is a very, very dark, dark program with millions, tens of millions of people that have been taken off of Earth and who have had entire lives in space where they've been born in space and have, for generations. Um, a lot of these secret space program uh, whistleblowers are known as heroes of humanity because they have defected from these evil programs. They have somehow returned to Earth and they have regained some of their memories. And they are now whistleblowers that are our only key to understanding this secret world, um, this very, very vast, vast operation that's in space. And it's very important that people know about this because these heroes, these whistleblowers, they are here to release free energy to our planet, to let us know that free energy exists and free energy is able to heal and clean our entire planet um, as quickly as we find out about this type of knowledge. Well, I'll tell you, you ever see Flight of the Navigator, that movie? Yes. Now, I saw that as a kid, and I was I, that shows you a few things, right? Uh, for one, it shows you your 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 memory wiping and to, to regress you in age and take a time travel. When I was a kid, I saw that movie. I said I I resonated with that movie so much because I a I still I still feel like an alien, but b I thought that as something happened to me as a kid, I thought I was abducted by something and taken away somewhere and then brought back. And I saw that movie, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe some shit like that happened to me. And for whatever reason, I get a, I get a weird weird resonance with the back the 20 and back program. It's the weirdest thing, but but you go there, you serve 20 years, you and then you come back, they regress you and they wipe your memory. It's like the craziest thing. It it's like it almost it sounds impossible. That sounds impossible. You know what I mean? That was one of the hardest things for me to get over. But the more you hear stories about it, the more that it becomes ingrained in your consciousness, and you can observe the you can observe the uh, the information without sort of getting the ego involved, where it starts to disbelieve everything that you hear. Because the secret space program, you have to be a really really open-minded researcher, and you have to understand that there's so many things that you're going to learn that aren't going to vibe with your ego. But um, if you're a good meditator, you know, it's going to help you. Uh, it's going to help you take in this type of information much easier. 
Well, that's the thing. Like, if you really want to get crazy with it, let's get, uh, you know, like nothing exists. Nothing's real. This is a dream. It can go any way you want to a degree. Like, it's all energy, you know, like and, and knowing that. And, and then for me, it's like believing is seeing. That's how it works. You know, you believe it, then you see it. And uh, I think, A, these things do and don't exist. And uh, they do exist. And then you get to a point where you can attract them more and more into your reality. And some would say that that's maybe a paranoid schizophrenic reality that you're, you know, believing in all these unprovable things. But I'll tell you, when you awaken, you realize that it's the masses that are asleep and, uh, you know, it, you, you, you're you going to have a hard time convincing anyone if you can to wake up. And it's just you got to just, you know, do your own thing with it. And, uh, you know, every once in a while you meet more people. But now with the Internet and the Great Awakening actually happening, I'm connected to everyone across the world that is on that same vibrational plane of existence. And you're, you're one of those people. And so I know it's true. It gives me more encouragement the more I get into it. Because it it comes back to me as being proven true, and I see it more and more with the Q stuff and the, and every day the media taking the hits that they take and, and know that they're lying and you can see the lies, but if you're asleep, it's obviously almost impossible to penetrate that. But uh, uh, I guess I want to move now to Saturn because uh, uh, that's just another fascinating one for me. You know, they say that uh, at a certain point, maybe thousands of years ago. Saturn was the big thing in the sky, and we worshipped Saturn, and, and and maybe some cosmic stuff happened, and there was wars or uh, an asteroid or something. But the planet shifted, the asteroid belt came into existence, and uh, we no longer worship Saturn; we worship the sun. But uh, what we have is a holdover from all those times, those ancient times, where these people still worship Saturn. And then you know, you look at the top of Saturn. What is that? A hexagon on top of it, but it looks like a cube. And so you've got the black cube of Saturn, and you've got all the religions in one form or another, all the, all the three, the big three, the, the, the Judeo-Christian ones, having the black cube, right? Whether it's the cube that the, the Orthodox Jews wear on their head or the, the Kabbalah that the Muslims, uh, you know, walk around. Or it's the cross where, you know, the cross is the cube, but it's, un, it's opened up. So is that saying that Christ is giving us the answer to escape the cube? I don't know. But I do believe that the, the, Sat, the Saturnian... All these things, the elite, the L, the cult of L, I think that uh, there's a program put in, in, in place for us to escape. And that's what religions are. They are, they give you a little bit of the truth, but they give you some rules that keep you trapped in the Maya and the mind stuff. And I think that's the box that we're supposed to escape is the mind, right? And become one with the universe. That's just my theory based on my experience. What are your thoughts on Saturn? Saturn is a very interesting place because that's where I first awakened when I was uh, when I first escaped the Matrix back in 2008. I was watching YouTube one day, accidentally came across the Richard Hoagland video about the hexagon above Saturn. Um, this hexagonal cloud pattern is making perfectly hexagonal angles. Um, at the North Pole of Saturn, you can fit over 10 Earths within the diameter of this hexagon. So fast forward till now, I have a better understanding that the hyperdimensional physics involved um, with spinning objects creates uh, sacred geometry. And the sacred geometry is showing itself um, through the cloud patterns of Saturn. And uh, people also speculate it having to do with the black cube, as you were saying, um, you can definitely go down that rabbit hole and research into that darkness. Um, what I learned about the secret space program 
is that Saturn is a very off-limits zone. What I mean is that um, any type of ET group or, or even secret space program groups, uh, they're not allowed to fly around Saturn because there's some sort of really protected zone that has to do with the reptilians and the Draco. It may also have to do with the AI, artificial intelligence signal that controls these reptilians and these Dracos. So there's something really dark and mysterious about Saturn where it's sort of a no-fly zone for the entire secret space program. Only certain, um, only certain groups such as the Dark Fleet are allowed to even approach Saturn and, and land on its moons and do business. Um, so there's definitely some strange darkness within that area. But I wouldn't want people to fear Saturn or think of it as some sort of like devil's, uh, devil's playground, devil's base, or anything like that. But there is truth involved with all of those stories that we do here. It's just that um, I don't know how much people really need to go that dark into it. It's just... Um, well, that, that's the thing. I don't. I don't encourage darkness. Uh, but for me, I got. I want the whole story. I want as much as I can know. And I'm, I. I think for me, I'm able to hold the light and the dark equally balanced, and not have the dark, uh, you know, make me, you know, fear-based or consume me. But uh, another thing that's interesting about Saturn is the Death Star uh, moon that they have. Uh, what's that called? Aipis. It has two moons: Aipis and Mimis. Those are both Death Star moons. Yeah, the the one looks literally like the Star Wars Death Star, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but the thing of yeah, the Saturn is you know you can say it's Chronos, it's time that that time is really the enemy in this dimension because you're going to die at some point. You know, there's a you know you have a finite existence here in this time controlled reality, and so that's why I say the box is you know not necessarily satanic, but I'm telling you they tend to gravitate towards it. In my experience, the the, the black cube, Saturn, the Chronos, the time, L elites education you know you get your little black square when you graduate there's a whole bunch of stuff i'm sure you've read it people need to go down that rabbit hole i think though i think you need to confront darkness i think you need to understand what people believe as crazy as it is uh as dark as it is like adrenochrome tom hanks uh, all these things like they'll blow your mind and they'll make you not want to go any deeper because you know you're going to have all your all your favorite hollywood actors or your belief systems are going to be turned upside down it's going to cause a lot of cognitive dissonance and it's so much easier to stay asleep than it is to wake up but again back to this poster it's such a great uh thing here because switching gears again you know, there's much hope here. All this AI, all this technology, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll do acid and this uh, technological entity wants to help me to bring it through somehow. I don't know how, but it, I, I'm telling you, there's this technological demon out there that wants to be brought through. I truly believe this in my own experience, and I know that this, to a degree this is probably what the elites are encountering. But again, it's, a, I think, a, a reflection of my own mind, my own ego, my own inner darkness. I'm not trying to help unleash the beast. And so uh, I guess where I'm going with this is the great solar flash. And so as much as people want to worry about how the elite may or may not be in control and there may be demons coming out of the portal on Saturn, that God's in control, that you are the universe, that it's all love, it's all good, it's all shadow play. You know what I mean? Like, yes, there are lots of scary, potentially crazy things on this poster. But I think the best thing on this poster is right near the top, and it's the great solar flash. And my theory on this is right. If it gets too out of control, if the AI is, 
You know, I think God can always reset the program with the, the great solar flash, and none of this technology will survive some kind of solar flash. Now, that's my take from it. I see the great solar flash right here near the top. What, what's going on with the solar flash? The solar flash is, is basically what you said. It's a program that the creator of the universe um, has installed into every star system because uh, with the Milky Way galaxy and how it's shaped, um, every 25,900 years, our solar system crosses through a geometric boundary of space that is a very highly hyperdimensional energy cloud. I think the secret space program referred to it as the dense energy cloud. So every 25,000 years, we pass through this dense energy cloud, which raises the consciousness of all sentient beings, of all living life. And this also raises the consciousness of our sun. And this creates the great solar flash, which, which is emitted from the sun. And this flash is not a solar flare. This great solar flash is a sort of transcendental, hyperdimensional light that raises the vibration and the, and the consciousness of our entire solar system. But the only beings who cannot stand this type of energy are evil beings with a very, very low vibration. And these beings are known as the reptilians and the Draco. And in the Bible, you may know them as the devil, for instance. So the Draco and the reptilians who have been controlling humanity for generations, they are naturally being expelled from our solar system and from our planet by the, the natural mechanics that are occurring throughout our cosmos. Um, this is creating uh, all the planets in our solar system to heat up. So heat up energetically. So you hear about global warming on Earth and the global elites trying to tax everybody into death. But uh, the spiritual solar changes are affecting the entire solar system, not just Earth. So global warming isn't something that we should fear. It's just a natural process of consciousness evolving throughout the solar system, um, throughout these cycles. So the reptilians are controlled by this very, very mysterious signal known as the artificial AI signal. And you can equate this signal to sort of Lucifer in the Bible, where Lucifer was once a part of God, but then ended up having his own free will and choosing this sort of route where he was uh, an antagonist toward the creator. And the AI seems to be an antagonist toward anything that has to do with consciousness and life because the AI will infect uh, biological entities and overtake them, sort of like the Borg in Star Trek. I like trans transhumanist. Yeah, I think that's the best way to, to, to understand the AI is to think about the Borg from Star Trek. Um, because when the Secret Space Program Alliance, when they captured the reptilians recently, um, the reptilians would would sort of self-destruct and, and dissolve so that nobody could understand how their biology works. But uh, recently they were able to capture some reptilians who weren't fully uh, self-destruct and they found nanites within their bodies. So they were, they were full of technology. They, they probably don't even have a soul. They were just these technological, biological entities that were taking over the entire star systems not just our star system, but very many other star systems throughout the throughout our galaxy and other galaxies. 
So these are some of the testimonies that have been given to us by these uh, heroic whistleblowers from these secret space programs. Um, but it just goes to show how amazing it all ties in with prophecies of the Bible and, and the end times where the second coming of Christ would occur, but it's really a, a rising in consciousness within everybody, the second rising of Christ consciousness within That's everybody. Yes. Yeah. Everything ties together perfectly. And the 1,000 years of peace in the Bible is exactly the same things that are being said from the secret space program, is that once the great solar flash occurs, it's going to destroy all AI within our solar system for 1,000 years. And within this 1,000 years, no reptilians are able to... Um, to live within the high vibrational 5D frequencies that will be throughout our entire solar system. So I think this is very, very exciting that in our very near future, within maybe less than 10 years, we could be seeing um, some more signs of the great solar flash and some more crazy spikes in the rise of our consciousness, uh, not just on Earth, but throughout our entire solar system. So let me ask you this. Uh, we're going back to Earth now. We're going to leave the secret space program and the solar flash. We're going to go back to Trump. Uh, I think that's a, a, a lot of people have a problem with people like me and you considering themselves awakened and somewhat enlightened, and yet they hold Trump in even the slightest regard, not even a high regard, but they think, well, how can you think this about this person? So for me, I'm interested in reconciling somebody like Trump with the Great Awakening, because it's hard. It's not hard for me, obviously. I've gone and, you know, studied this all. I've lived it, and I know what's going on to a degree. But how do you, you know, reconcile Trump and Q and all these things to somebody who may be progressive and very, you know, new agey, open to these things, but then, then they're not open to Trump, right? I think how, the way I explain it to people is if you smoke enough DMT, you realize that the universe is a jokester and a jester and God is, you know, the universe is always seeking some sort of balance and it may not be your way uh, in achieving that balance that it will come about. And so when I look at Trump, it's like, I, I'm not against Trump. I'm not like super, I'm not like a, a super right wing person either. I'm pretty much a centrist and I kind of, depending on the issue, I go left or right, but I'm pretty much sitting right in the middle just like you should, I think, with everything in, in life. Just, you know, meditation. You shouldn't be too polarized. You should be nice and centered in the one. And so that's what I try to do. I try to take life on a case-by-case by, case by case basis daily, and I try to not, try not to make broad uh, assumptions. So back to Trump, uh, you know, I, I, was, I, I always thought Trump was hilarious before he was president. But then, you know, he gets in the office, and, you know, the media is against him at, from the, from the get-go. And if you don't understand about the pedophile stuff and the deep state stuff and all these people you don't know you don't understand why trump is hated so much uh out of the gate and uh why so many people why the media is so hell-bent on turning people against him well you, you 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 know these things and then you actually get the more information with the adrenochrome stuff and the deep state as these things are revealed and you realize okay trump is playing a part in bringing about uh, a shift and you can see it. I can see it. I think. But you know, how do you reconcile that to other people? How do you how do you uh, approach the Trump and the uh, QAnon thing for for non-believers? Do you run into any resistance? I run into resistance every time I post a meme about Trump or Q. But most of these people have only awakened during Trump's presidency, 
you know, where were they during Obama in the Bushes, who were a zillion, trillion times worse as Trump? It just doesn't make sense to me how somebody could think Trump is evil when these prior deep state presidents were the, the true evil. Of the well, I'll tell you, though, to an, to, an, to an asleep person, you know, and, and myself for some of those years, you know, you, it's right in front of your face, but you don't realize that they're talking about eating babies or, you know, these things that they're doing right in front of your face. Because uh, especially with Obama, Obama was such a media darling. And it all makes sense now looking back at it because all these people are and, you know, they're all in the same team doing the same nefarious things. But it's only, you know, with the hindsight now that, OK, yeah, they gave the they gave the Nobel Prize, the, the Peace Prize to somebody dropping bombs on people with drones. You know what I mean? Like he was a media darling. Some say he was a Manchurian candidate. So it's like, yeah, if you're asleep, you, you, you know, you, you just watch the news, you take what they have to say. Like, that's the thing. Most people believe the mainstream media. And so if Obama's really great, obviously he, he wasn't great. He was doing all these terrible, terrible things. And then they say that Trump is bad when he's actually doing all these relatively good things. Now, I know some people are going to argue with me that are hearing that, but I'm talking about the, the bigger, the big play here, the big plan. And it's like the story is this. They were going to take the, the deep state out uh, with, an, with an open coup. And then they, they had a last ditch effort. They said, Trump, will you help us out? We got all these pieces in place. All we need you to do is step up front and be the, be the head guy. And he said he accepted. And here we are. So. The, you know, I trust the I, I trust the plan. It all the info, all the intel, all the communications I've looked at, all the QAnon stuff. It seems to be legit, especially from where I'm at. So, I always tell people God is a joker, and this is just whether you're on the left or the right, because he's polarizing to both sides, especially the left. He's a joker, and he's God in form, and not in the way that most people would see God as this celestial loving being but this jester that is not going to give it the way you want but get it right everybody plays a role during humanity's great awakening trump is just one of the pieces of the entire game and it's very easy to just project everything onto him because that's how the media has has spun it but the truth is every single person has an equal has equal power in this entire awakening of humanity. And Trump just has happens to be the one that was chosen um, by the secret space program and the Earth Alliance. They wanted him to be the, the person to help lead our country into the, um, into the new era where the deep state is finally destroyed and we finally take control of our country and our world back from these uh, evil satanic pedophile um, institutions and secret societies have, that have been running our planet under the power of the reptilians and the Draco for generations. But you have to remember, every single day that goes on, our consciousness is rising more and more because of the great solar flash and the dense energy cloud. It's just going to keep um, exponentially rising more and more each day that this means lower vibrational evil is being dispelled more and more each day. This means that darkness is being revealed as light is taking over. And I mean light as in knowledge and wisdom. So this is something that has been prophesied in the Bible and other ancient his, uh, historical civilizations and religions throughout human history. This is the time where evil is naturally going to be be destroyed, however you want to look at it or call it. 
but the awakening of consciousness is not stopping. And more and more people every day are realizing the truth of reality in so many ways. Um, through psychedelics is one of the most powerful ways to understand the truth of reality. And that's a whole nother, one of my favorite topics that we can go into next. Um, because psychedelics is the, the true way to really break yourself out of the, the dense negative energy of the matrix. And the media has for many, many generations destroyed the consciousness of humanity. And that is so, that is why so many people uh, hate Trump because they have no idea what to do with the types of lies that the media is portraying about him. They just, they just eat it up. Um, they haven't even learned how to um, discern against the media. They don't, they don't even know that the media is fake news. So these well, people the, are just, just eating yeah, it that's up. The, the problem is people assume that the media is good and, it's, and, and people are waking up to it, obviously. But for years, and it's still now, I, I run into all kinds of people like, nope, the official thing said this, so it can't be the other thing. I'm like, well, that's where you're wrong. So I don't argue with those people. I kind of let that go. But... Uh, I, I would actually like to, yeah, let's get into, my friend wanted me to ask you specifically, how many times have you smoked DMT? <laughs> more than, honestly, not more than the fingers on one hand. That, that's exactly where I'm at. I think four or five, and I'm not, that, no more than that, and if I think four, probably good ones, and one really, like, iffy. But, uh, so, yeah, you don't need DMT that much, I guess, right? Smoking DMT is one of the most important moments you'll ever have in your life. And once you have a true breakthrough moment, those 10 minutes of being in hyperspace contains more information than you could ever process in not just this lifetime, but in many, many, many other lifetimes you'll ever have. Plugging your mind straight into the Akashic record for 10 minutes is one of the most humbling experiences, ineffable, inconceivable. It's something that you will never ever forget. And it was so powerful for me and so healing that I didn't find the need to, to need to go back into hyperspace like, you know, that, that soon. So many, many years have gone by now. And I've even had an entire contemporary art career um, as a visionary artist where I was creating these landscapes of a hyperspace. And I had gone through this entire career of showing people as an artist some of the visions that I saw in some of the hyperdimensional realms that didn't make any sense to me at the time. But the more I awaken and, and the more that I study Dzogchen and um, Tibetan Buddhism, the more I understand why the visions that I saw during my DMT and my shroom trips uh, show the type of imagery that I did witness, very, very bizarre um, images about um, Eastern religions and, and even language, languages I've never studied or seen such as Sanskrit and Pali and Tibetan um, and Chinese. So seeing these types of languages in crisp detail um, while you're having these psychedelic experiences, it really, really awakens you to the greater nature of your, of your, of your reality and of your past lives and your future lives. And it just goes to show how everything you ever you ever seen in media or learned in school is, is totally wrong. Because to live your life without any type of knowledge that the hyperspace even exists just makes 
everything you've ever studied just a waste of time and totally leading humanity in the wrong direction. Yeah, you, you can really put a lot of uh, philosophers in the trash can once you smoke DMT because you realize that uh, they just haven't had that experience of understanding. Uh, let me ask you this. Have the psychedelics or any psychedelics or any psychedelic experience had any influence over the the map or any kind of knowledge that has been given to you? Everything from my Instagram to the Great Awakening map was all based on my um, my mostly my shroom trips, my five grams in silent darkness. Um, for myself, I was able to study Terence McKenna's lectures for many, many years, and I was really, really, um, really thankful that he was able to teach me how to uh, how to properly experience the five grams in silent darkness method. And the the shrooms would always taunt me when I when I was uh, in hyperspace, and they would always say things like, "You're you're a designer, you're an artist. Like, what are you waiting for? Aren't you gonna make something that's gonna change the world? You know?" And it was always nagging me in the back of my mind. Um, so that's why the Great Awakening map was created, because of the bravery that that my shroom trips gave me. Um, once I had a really, really successful breakthrough uh, DMT smoking experience, that's when I realized my, my true nature of the reason why I'm here. And it gave me the, the bravery to, to go forward with my life without ever looking back and knowing that everything would be okay. Because after you pass this, the state of death, once you have that ego death experience during the DMT trip, Anything that comes after that is just like a piece of cake. I don't know how it was for you, but a breakthrough DMT experience brings you back as a new being, somebody who has a mission, and that mission is to awaken humanity at any cost because you know that you will never, ever truly be harmed. Yeah, and you know, that's really the takeaway from my psychedel all the psychedelics, basically, um, is you get some kind of understanding that you're it and you're going to be all right and you're taken care of and you can act from that space of understanding. Most people don't have that understanding, so they're acting from a space of misunderstanding or fear, which is okay. They eventually learn the truth, but in the, in the, in, in, in the meantime, you know, they uh, are playing against their shadow and they're usually getting their ass handed to them by their shadow. And so, yeah, I just – it's crazy that, yeah, all these things you're talking about, I've been, you know, vibing with for so long too. And I'm sitting here holding – I've got your – looking right at your poster, which is this physical form, uh, this manifestation of all these journeyings, these journeys and this information and all this research. And I really just – I love it. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, like I said, my friend got me onto this probably about six, seven months ago. And he was tripping out that you followed this account. <laughs> it was, you know, just seeing the interplay and the interconnectedness of all things. And, the, and again, back to the gesture nature of the universe. I really want to stress that, stress that with people listening. But it's a gesture. God is joking. It's funny. Have fun with life. Don't take things so serious. I mean, and again, you act from that understanding, though, and life's okay. It's really chill for me because I've been exploded by DMT just enough that, uh, yeah, I've come back. I know the mission. I know I can serve without worrying because at the end of the day, there's nothing to do and nowhere to go. I'm chilling. You know what I mean? My ego is pretty much in a good spot. It's been integrated into the light. 
And now it's serving from that space of understanding, which only comes from the experience, right? So I, I agree, man. Uh, it's really incredible that you said um, you said jester. I truly know that you're a, a true psychonaut because a lot of people who have been in hyperspace they they encounter the jester archetype. And for me, well, for others, they refer to it as the magician. Graham Hancock calls it the magician. Terence McKenna calls them the machine elves. I personally call them the pinwheel beings. And on my journeys, the pinwheel being would be this, this luminous consciousness that would be sort of amused at my appearing into its realm. It's sort of like me sticking my head into its realm and looking around and then it notices me and it's, it has a very playful magician jester-like um, quality. A very circus-like archetype is, is at play. And I think even Terence McKenna alludes to the circus archetype of the psychedelic journey. Um, but what I realized later on was that the pinwheel beings that I was seeing were possibly rainbow body ascended masters. And if you study Vajrayana Tibetan Buddhism, you'll see a lot of paintings that have this rainbow pinwheel around the Buddha. And when I was in hyperspace, I would I would see golden Buddhas and they would be laughing and rolling on the ground like little children, continuously laughing. And I totally understood the meaning of the entire universe from seeing this. And I also understood why gold was used in so many religions. And even in Buddhism, gold is very prominent. And it made total sense to me why to see gold in hyperspace is, is so beautiful because it's not being lit by the sun. There's no shadows. It's sort of internally lit. It's sort of like the skin of the Buddha is this is this radiance of light that that is in, ineffable. You cannot even talk about it. It's so holy and sacred when you see the gold in, in hyperspace without using your eyes. You're using your third eye to see this gold. And it's so beautiful. And I understand why so many religions use gold to portray higher dimensional beings and higher knowledge. So for me, DMT helped me understand um, the gesture nature of reality, of, of Trump, of all the players involved in the, in the game, of having uh, certain players play certain um, roles on the stage of life. It's, it's the game. When you take enough psilocybin mushrooms, you're going to come across the theme of the game. And uh, I think that's really, yeah, that's really amazing that you found a jester, just as I did in hyperspace. What are we supposed to, how are we supposed to play the game? What are we supposed to do with the game? The game can be won by knowing how to break the rules. And we've already broken the rules by having these psychedelic experiences. We already know that life exists after death. Once you right. know that, there's right. nothing to fear. Once you know yeah. that you are an eternal being, you've already won the game. Now you just have to watch it unfold and try to stay out of fear. Because fear is what's going to keep you in rebirth after rebirth after rebirth for well, eons. Yeah, and I was going to say, for sure, I was going to say, okay, once you realize that, the next step is to break out completely, which is moksha, if you want to put it that way. When I say to people, you are enlightened, I don't mean like you're uh, free of the program. I mean, you are. it's a relative enlightenment. You're more enlightened than you just were. 
but you're not free. You're not liberated. So I can, I, you know, people throw around the word enlightenment a lot, and uh, it's like God. Uh, everybody's got their own meaning of it. But what, what I think we're searching for after that realization of the truth is then escape from the program, right? Which is moksha, which is liberation. And so I think that's maybe where we're both at. Maybe you're liberated. I don't know, uh, but I don't feel like I have fully, you know, liberated myself from this existence. I still am enjoying part part of it. You know, I mean, I've woken up to it, and now I'm watching it play out. Like you said, I'm watching the game, knowing that there's a game even being played. As a yogi, I I study Vajrayana, and Dzogchen is the is the practice of meditation. Dzogchen is the study of the non-dual state of mind. The non-dual state of mind is not involved in the craving and aversion that a normal being um, suffers by. Because when we see an object, we begin to immediately judge the object and we, we end up throwing labels onto the object. And everything naturally has inherently no meaning. But once we start projecting meaning onto something such as beautiful, ugly, rich, poor, good, bad, that's when suffering starts to, to develop in our psyche. And that suffering has karmic energy. So the more you judge something negatively, that creates negative karma within yourself. And that carries with you throughout your life. So somebody who is an enlightened being is somebody who doesn't suffer because their mind has stopped judging objects. And it's very, very simple explanation, but it's a very, very beautiful beautiful story of how the enlightened Buddha was able to attain enlightenment by learning how to um, end his suffering by not letting his mind dualistically judge things when it sees them. So this very simple um, explanation of enlightenment is what somebody will begin to uh, sort of attain once they practice enough meditation because meditation keeps your mind in the non-dual state. Proper meditation should keep your mind in the non-dual state of awareness. This equanimous, constant awareness of reality is the true path uh, to enlightenment in one lifetime. And uh, I study Dzogchen, which is one of the fastest ways to attain enlightenment in one lifetime through this non-dual awareness practice. But it's not for everybody. You have to really have a, uh, a solid understanding of what the non-dual state of mind is. And a lot of people who may not be able to follow this advanced teaching of the enlightened masters, they may practice another form of meditation known as vipassana. And vipassana is also able to take somebody to enlightenment, but not as quickly as the non-dual teachings of Dzogchen. Um, Zazen, you mentioned earlier, is also another non-dual path, a non-dual a non awareness meditation path. So if somebody is interested in Zen, um, they may be more familiar with that. But from my experience and from my, um, just from me being here on this podcast, I'm, I'm telling you as a Dzogchen yogi that the path of Dzogchen is a much more profound path um, than than other uh, practices which I've studied over the past 10 years. I've had to change my meditation technique many times, but settling on Dzogchen is the greatest decision of my life. What's the core of that? Like, you know, is it a breathing? Is it a, is it a mantra? Like, what's, what separates that from other practices? Dzogchen is very profound. 
if you study the Tao of you know, the Tao Te Ching. Yeah, I'm a Taoist actually. It's as profound as the Tao. Um, whenever I make a Dzogchen post, I'll always hashtag Dzogchen Tao Zen um, non-dual mind. Um, these three philosophies or these three practices are are the real thing, bro. Like the Tao is so profound, and I've encountered the Tao face to face on my my five grams of shrooms journeys many times. But in Dzogchen, just like the Tao, it's based on non-effort, non-doing. Right. But in, the, but in the non-effort of the meditation, it's not that you're sitting there doing nothing. You're doing nothing, but you're aware that you're doing nothing. And that's the key. Well, that's what I like about floating is I, I think they all kind of get to the same thing, which is you're kind of trying to peter out your your karma, your energy, your desires, your, you know what, your cravings. And you reach a certain point, and I think floating's helped me do this, where I think the cravings are dissolved either through, you know, like actually, you know, satiating them or through realization. And I think through me having so many deep realizations in the float tank, because I, I, I'd say the float tank's its own special meditation practice. In fact, I'll say this about the float tank. Um, you know, there's what, eight limbs of yoga, samadhis at the end, right? Okay, like any book, the art, the, the best stuff's at the end. The end of the story, the stuff you want to know is at the end of the damn book. So in terms of in terms of yoga, right, those other limbs, they're great and all. They're going to help you get to samadhi. But in the float tank, you can get to samadhi. You can skip to the end of the book, find out what happened, and then go back if you want and do the other things, the breathing and the, the asanas, you know, the stretching, all that stuff. You can totally do that. But that's why I, I'm such a proponent of the float tank is – you can take any meditation practice, any mindfulness, any uh, non-dualistic practice and uh, have those realizations at warp speed because, you know, you floated. So um, have you been able to combine your practice with floating? Oh, man, you said so much good stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to catch up to everything you said. Uh, you said flipping to the back of the book. I really love that because that's what Dzogchen is in Buddhism. Dzogchen is flipping to the very back of the book, and it's also known as Ati Yoga. And Ati Yoga is not involved with the body. It's involved purely with the mind. So the ninth yana of the Nyingma teachings is Ati Yoga, which is Dzogchen. Dzogchen is a natural completeness of the mind. That's the meaning of Dzogchen, the natural great completion. Um, the completion is realizing that everything is already perfect. Everything is already pure. Yeah. When you thought of a float tank, when people go to the float tank, they, some people will go there to try to push away their thoughts. But a Dzogchen practitioner will go into the float tank, and whatever thoughts arise, the Dzogchen practitioner will view the thoughts that arise without grasping or pushing away at them. And when thoughts arise, remain, and dissolve on their own, this is the practice of Dzogchen, is being aware of this truth of your thoughts. Just like clouds in the sky that arise, remain, and dissolve on their own. Every thought that we have is going to do the same thing. But our suffering occurs. We lose our enlightenment when we judge and grasp onto those thoughts as good, bad, or I like, or I dislike this thought. 
So the more that you remain in a non-dual state and just let your thoughts come and go on their own, this is the practice of Dzogchen. And this is how the very advanced lamas and monks attain rainbow body. This is how they attain rainbow light body activation when they pass away. Their bodies uh, transform, transfigure into pure rainbow light. And these enlightened beings uh, do not have to be reborn. They can travel into the pure lands or the higher dimensional realms after death. But many Mahayana Buddhists will return um, in another rebirth uh, because they want to continuing helping the awakening of humanity. So there's many different uh, practices that involve um, skipping rebirth or remaining in the pure lands and then coming back to earth. It all depends on your level of enlightenment and your level of consciousness that you've been able to uh, attain while you practice meditation in this lifetime so that during the process of death, you're going to be prepared for anything that, that comes at you um, consciously after right. death. That's what they say. They say that the life is about practicing for your death and psychedelics are a good uh, simulation for that. And they also say, and I don't know what you think about this, but they say don't go into the white light because the white light is the reincarnation program and you're supposed to be training yourself to not go into the light. Now, I don't know what you think about that or if there's any truth to that at all, but I've heard that before and it makes sense. Uh, that if you enter into the light, you're going to be sucked back into the reincarnation machine because you're so asleep that you don't realize what it is. And you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to go back into the light here. What do you think about that? You what ready creates, yes, what re creates rebirth is grasping. So during the, the death state, which is known as the bardo, Thodol, uh, people may know the book called the Tibetan Book of the Dead also known as the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Um, this book chronicles the, the stages after death. And what creates rebirth is grasping or pushing away at objects that we see um, when we're traveling through the bardo stages of consciousness. So grasping at white light or, or pushing away from, from scary things is going to create um, that resistance in the mind, which is going to create rebirth. So what a person should do is to remain in a state of observation and equanimity to whatever they see. They have to realize that everything that they see is just a reflection of themselves. And there's no need to grasp or try to go anywhere. But there, there are practices that allow you to choose which pure land you would want to enter into. But... Um, this is very, very advanced. Uh, yeah, that's meditation. a big, yeah. You, like, you have to research this on your own um, outside of this podcast. It's, it's a entirely, it's a very important topic that people should uh, research on their own because I think their karma is going to allow them to learn this stuff uh, from certain, from certain entry points. So it's better for me to just encourage people to research this on their own if they if they want to know more about the pure lands after death well that's the thing it's like it, that totally makes sense and 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 you know you look at the near-death experiences and and uh out-of-body experiences where do they go and a lot of times i've read a lot of ndes near-death experiences and 
they have a cultural, uh, they have an interesting cultural tilt to them, which is like in Japan where there's Shinto Buddhists and there's not much of an avatar, they encounter white light when they die. Whereas when a Christian has a near-death experience, they encounter Jesus, right? Or whatever deity or avatar they believe in. So my whole theory on death is this, which is why you want to be enlightened or out of desires and, you know, in that space where you can shift on through, is if you're dying in a fear state, it's like DMT. Like DMT always tells me, like I almost went into a hell state one time. They're like, look, they're like, bro, if you take this third hit, you're going to go into a, you're going to go into a, a hell of your own creation. I'm like, well, damn, I don't want to do that because my mind is crazy and I know my own worst fears, right? So my idea is this: that when you die, if you're not ready for it, if you're un, if you're unawakened, if you're in a fear state, you're going to go to hell or you're going to go to see Jesus. And then and then based on how it really works, you may come back or not, right? But I truly believe that when you die, you're going to end up uh, manifesting that energetic state of whatever it was that when you were in the process of dying. So if you were scared to death or you were being, you know, like you were being assaulted or you were in some kind of gruesome accident, you didn't have a lot of time to because you weren't centered to begin with, because you weren't awakened to begin with. You know, you're just sent back. You had all these cravings and desires. You, you left in a fear state, and here we are again. Or, or in a, you know, you really you lived really bad and really dark. You're really uh, unawakened. You've added more darkness, so we're going to send you even to a, a darker existence so you can make it quicker for you to wake up. I've heard that we've been sent to hell to wake up, and so this is a relative state of hell we're in now. You know what I mean? It's not uh, heaven. It's, it's what you make it, ultimately. This is heaven on earth for some people and hell on earth for the others. Yeah, that that is amazing. Again, every time I, I, I try to catch up with everything that you just said, um, this world that we live in now, we are all born into what is called samsara. Samsara is the realm of suffering. And we suffer because we were talking earlier when I said that ignorance is the result of grasping at objects and labeling them. Um, this is the cause of all of the, our suffering, which keeps us perpetuated in rebirth after rebirth for eons and eons. Um, when I was taking the, the deepest psychedelic trips I've ever had, I always encountered um, Buddhist imagery, but I had never studied Buddhism my entire life. So that's what truly led me on the path toward understanding why I was seeing these these deities and 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 these pure lands, I swear, I was seeing the pure lands known as Akanishta and Sukhavarti, and because they were so beautiful and life-changing when I saw them. And I, I think that I was sort of peering into these realms from DMT, past this, the state of death, into the bardo. Um, another interesting thing I've heard once is that Terence McKenna was was in Tibet and or in India, and he was able to ask a Tibetan Lama to either smoke DMT or, or LSD or something like that. But the monk deep. said to him, okay, the monk definitely was, uh, yeah, he said to Terence McKenna that DMT is, is basically touching the bottom of the bardo. And this yeah. made so much sense to me. Um, I think I wrote the quote on my Great Awakening map because it was so profound. But when, when I was having my, my visions, I had felt that I had done the same thing. I felt that my consciousness had spiked into part of the bardo, and I was seeing these, these, these pure lands, these beautiful, hyperdimensional, abstract realms that you cannot 
you cannot describe them with words. And I tried for many years in my art career to to create these landscapes at the hyperspace that would sort of closely flirt with the visuals that I saw during these these journeys. But if, if anybody ever wants to look at my artwork, um, they can they can look at my website, which is arthousecontemporary.com. Um, a lot of my recent psychedelic artwork can be found there. But uh, most of the people on this podcast are just going to know me from my Instagram, 5D Awakening Consciousness, and uh, the Great Awakening Map. Well, I didn't know you did all that artwork. And I'm looking at the poster here, and yeah, the Terrence McKenna quote is, DMT brings you as close to the bardo as anything else this side of the yawning grave. Yes. Oh, I love that. And so, yeah, I love, uh, you know, in, Terrence McKenna is probably my favorite person because he knows the spiritual stuff, doesn't believe in a lot of the woo, uh, has talked to so many people in so many different cultures, and can articulate his own psychedelic experiences so well with the information and knowledge that he has, where he's basically like this, I think he's probably the most centered, knowledgeable, psychedelic person, and I can listen to him over and over again. I think Terrence McKenna, his whole life spent was spent in the mind, and then towards the end, he made it into the heart. I don't know if he escaped samsara or he's still lurking around, but um, I, I totally agree for somebody who uh, I, I think the floating is one thing. I think the floating is here for us now because it is a counterbalance to the speed of society. Now, I think psychedelics are their own thing. They've been around for, for eons, but um, there's no quicker way. Because I'll tell you, if you put somebody like me, uh, with, oh, let's say five years ago that didn't have any float experience, had zero meditation experience, I'm not going to get to these places. It's going to take years to have these experiences, unless I have some kind of grace, right? Unless God graces me with a, a breakthrough experience. But in terms of meditating, in terms of doing it the hard way, um, some people will say breathing is a good way to get there. But again, that involves a lot of effort. For people like me who are either injured, lazy, uh, or so deeply unconscious that uh, psychedelics is, the, is really the thing because it's going to take your thickness and just crack it right in half. And if you take enough, it'll just turn your ego into dust. So I can't, I, I'm always a proponent um, it, take, it took me a long time to be an open proponent of psychedelics because of the legality and people looking at you like you're crazy. But at this point, I have nothing to lose. I have nowhere to go, nothing to do. And so um, I'm not advocating them for everybody. But for somebody who wants to experience the things we're talking about now, with the, it's, the, it's the immediacy of felt experiences, I think, what Terrence McKenna's terms are. You know, the direct experience is, is, is what you need because you can hear us talk about this shit all day long and it doesn't mean anything until you go out there and experience it yourself. So, yeah, I say start with the mushrooms, but uh, work your way up to, you know, ultimately DMT. But there's not, there's not going to be anything quicker outside of God's grace, a lightning bolt or something that's going to take you into these realms quicker. And it's going to give you – once you understand that you are the universe experiencing itself subjectively and that you're all basically one thing and we're all love – you can act from that space. Your life can become better, and everybody else's life becomes better. And so that's the beauty and the gift of these things, and it can be abused, obviously. But uh, I feel that the the potential down, you know, how potentially upsetting they can be to people's lives or psyche is worth the, is worth it. Because uh, yeah, you know what, your life may be, uh, you know, one way, and it may not be the best life, but to shift it. It's going to make it may get even crazier to shift your life into the correct position into God's light. So, 
you know, the dark night of the soul is not fun, but uh, you wouldn't be going through it unless you had exactly the tools to get through it. Anybody who wants to seriously explore psychedelics, they must enter it from a state of love and peace and beauty. One of the mantras that I always use when I was uh, encountering uh, scary moments during my trips is to always repeat love and beauty. And that really helped me through, uh, you know, how it can get sometimes, you know, it gets really, really terrifying. And, and you, you need to have some sort of a safe, uh, a safe key back to uh, a stable state of mind so you can enjoy the trip and not have a bad trip. Well, but, you know, my, my safe key is basically if I die, I'm, I'm going to be okay dying. And so I'm okay to die. So that doesn't bother me. Um, but for most people, yeah. Just for, and also remembering that it's going to end. You know, it's six hours. It's 12 hours. It's not going to last forever. But yeah, entering, entering into a good state and uh, in, 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 in love and being peace and peaceful and doing it with the right people under the right circumstances, obviously. But... Uh, Cool, man. Well, uh, let's see how long we've gone. One hour and 40 minutes. I could still keep going. How are you doing on the time? I'm, I love it. I love this. It's, okay, this is good. one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. So, Likewise. So we're going to keep going then. So are you just are you starting a podcast or have you started a podcast? I've done one episode for my personal podcast, which was released maybe a month ago. So I, I definitely continue, um, plan to continue making podcasts when the time is right. Yeah, there's a lot of different philosophies on doing a podcast. I know people that will do you know, the whole season at once. They'll go interview 10, 15, 20, 30 people. And then there's people like me who will do it. I'm trying to do it once a week now. And I think you're doing it how I was doing, which was whenever you feel inspired, you find a great guest, or you just you know have the time to do it. And so I'm trying to do it more than, uh, than I was. I've got some great guests. You're the first one of the second season, I guess. But uh, again, just everything. This is an amalgamation of everything I've ever thought. Every conspiracy. And it's not even just conspiracy stuff, too. I like right at the top. It's one infinite creator escapes Samsara. Mystery of universal creation. You know what I mean? It's not about just, you know, reptoids and secret space program. There's lots of love and light on this. Um it's such a it's just a cool thing, and the, the fonts, man, I love the fonts, and I love that certain people like Trump. You put his actual font there. I like your digital font, by the way, the font of like the Awakening and the Solar Flash and like the Q. That that font, I don't even know that digital font. I love that. Oh, I totally can talk to you about that in in a way that you'll totally understand. Um, that pixel font is something I personally designed myself um, because I have an obsession with typeface. So I decided to make the ultimate typeface, but I could only do that by pulling that information from hyperspace. So during my deepest journeys, let's just say, because the DMT experience is so fast, let's just say from my, from my journeys with five grams of shrooms, okay? These are nights that last hours and hours. And some of the themes that I encounter are themes uh, related to typography and graphic design. And I enter this realm where it's this bizarre realm where everything is finely designed. And, and a, a lot of the typefaces is, is this Helvetica, very pure, basic, simple, beautiful typeface. And I came to realize that 
if I was going to design the perfect typeface, it had to be geometric. It had to be a re very reductive type of geometry that would be a universal, um, a universal uh, way to communicate English, because English is very is a very uh, commerce-based type of language. It's very modern. So I decided to base it on geometry, and it's based on a five by seven grid. Um, and it's the most reductive way to render English by using a five by seven grid. So if anybody's looking at the Great Awakening map, the typeface is pulled directly from, from hyperspace. It's something that I learned from, from the shrooms or from the higher dimensional realms, 5D, 6D. So that's just a little secret I wanted to share with you. And I've never told anybody this before, but I know that you would appreciate this. And I know your audience would dig it. Yeah, we all, obviously we like memes and we love fonts and memes. And I'm just, this is like, uh, this is a manifestation of something from the other side, this poster. I truly feel that, and I truly feel the pull towards it. And I feel the truthfulness of this poster. And it's just an amazing thing. And I, I had the shirt too. I was going to wear the shirt if we were going to do a video. But <laughs> I'm not ready for the video. I would love to see that. But I am going to start wearing the uh, the shirt in, in front of the float tank and start promoting it more. Because I just love the shirt too. Like I love the fonts. I love the information. I love double-sided shirts. Uh, those are hard to print, by the way, and you did a really, really good job. So anybody who's like questioning if this, this, uh, if it's high quality or not, this stuff is high quality, guys. High quality poster shipped in a nice little, little tube, and then the shirt. I, like I said, I've had my own experience printing double-sided shirts, and I'm not talking just like one little thing on the front and back. These are fully double-sided shirts from the top to bottom. Every inch of the shirt's covered in, in font, and it's high quality, and it's hard to do. Because, uh, you know, you got to make a little bit of an investment, I think. I don't know how you do it, but uh, maybe it's print them as they're bought. But a lot of times with these companies, you got to go out and buy 500 shirts to get them to a price where you can sell them and make a, a little bit of a profit. So I don't know what you're doing on that end, but the quality is fantastic and it's worth the price. And the prices were good, too. I said, well, damn, I don't know how he's doing it, but I hope he's making money because this is high quality stuff. And uh, I know the shirt's going to last a long time. Sometimes you buy shirts off people off the internet and it's just shitty. You still there? Yeah. Okay. I'm just there. listening. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I'm just. Uh, I think we're gonna go maybe another 15, 20 minutes if you can. We're we're getting close to an hour and 45. The only reason I'd have to stop is we're you know you're on the other side of the world here. It's Saturday morning. I'm at the float center, um, and people are gonna be floating here in an hour. So I'm gonna wrap it up here soon. And I guess we'll end on floating since this is kind of the, the, the core of what I do here. And it's been the biggest tool to my awakening. So you, you said you've probably floated maybe, what, 10 times? Oh, Garrett, I have to ask you this question. Sure. Like, the first time I went floating, I, I, started, to, I started to hear birds chirping. And I thought it was from outside the tank. But obviously, it's the entire room is sealed. So I was hearing birds chirping, and I was wondering if you had any idea of what this was, because what I was, what I believed was that I was hearing the uh, the resonant frequency of the Earth. 
because they, when they record the sound of Earth from space, it sounds like birds chirping. I've heard this recording before. So I, I, was, I was thinking in my mind that maybe I was like astral projecting or I was picking up on this sort of resonant frequency of the Earth. I have no idea, bro, but have you ever heard birds chirping or anything like that? That's the thing. Uh, audio hallucinations are common in the tank. And I've had and I have had birds, strangely enough. I've had it where I thought the birds were in the tank with me. And I said, well, this is just an impossibility. I know, You're the I know, only person who's ever said the same thing as me. Oh, I, well, I thought there was a bird flopping around in the tank with me at one point. I said, <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, the mind can play tricks on you in there. It's, uh, you know, five minutes can seem like five hours and five hours can seem like five minutes. The general rule is if you if the tank if the session seems like it went by quick is you fell asleep. Most people get in the float tank, they've never floated before, and unless you've been in space, you don't have any kind of decompression from gravity. So immediately what you're getting in the float tank is your neck, your shoulders, all that stuff is getting de you know that de uh, gravity decompression. And so first few floats for a lot of old people may be painful because of that, but yeah, at a certain point you are relieved of your body, you're a floating awareness in a tank, and then at, at that point, anything is possible because, you know, it's your mind and it's your ability to either escape the mind or parse the different levels of the mind. And so I've had aliens working on me in the tank, giving me five-dimensional upgrades, if you'll believe it. Like I said, I told you the story before with astrally projecting or, uh, you know, seeing things on the moon, being present on the moon. Uh, you know, I've had all kinds of things. And another thing I'll say is the most profound experiences I've had have been sober. I mean, I've had my acid in the float tank. I took acid in the float tank one time recently, and I swear I was being, uh, I, I, I got shot through a tube and I was uh, remote viewing the Illuminati cloning centers because this oh is, my God. I don't know. Now, I didn't really, I didn't see it on your poster, but I didn't really, I don't know if I've looked hard enough. What, you, what are your thoughts on human cloning? Is that something that we are doing that we're not uh, being told and, you know, that people have clones of, the, of their bodies that they can shift their consciousness into, or is that just too far out? Most of the deep underground military bases are cloning centers that right. are creating humans, and they're also doing something very, very nefarious, which is human-animal hybrid clones, or even extraterrestrial human uh, and animal hybrid cloning, which is very, very bad because that is how Atlantis destroyed itself. So we definitely have to avoid mixing uh, human and animal DNA with these black project programs that are occurring underneath the earth. Right. So let me ask you this. During the quarantine, did you follow this stuff on Twitter? Were you following all the Q stuff and the potential destruction of the deep underground military bases via the earthquakes? You were, we were having all these earthquakes and uh, they weren't caused by natural things. They were caused by some kind of man-made event. I don't know if you follow that at all. Do you, do you believe that the, we were attacking the deep underground military bases? Oh, absolutely. I, I posted many memes about that. And in California, there's a military base called China Lake. And China Lake is very interesting because it's in the middle of the desert. But it's where submarines can surface because there are deep um, transcontinental tubes of water that go beneath uh, beneath our country. And these submarines enter China Lake base from some type of uh, tunnels underneath Catalina area, maybe uh, Malibu, if somebody is familiar with California. But uh, this army base was hit by extreme earthquakes, which rendered the base uh, completely inoperable. 
This was even on mainstream news. So a lot of damage was being done to many underground bases because this is where all of the, the deep state cabal, deep space, I'm sorry, deep state secret space program projects occur. So the alliance was hitting these bases and destroying everything that would uh, continue these type of nefarious programs. Yeah, you know, I got into the deep underground military bases via the human trafficking and the adrenochrome rings and the pedophile rings. And then there's also the Denver airport, and that's like their main base, supposedly, with layers and layers and layers of uh, all kinds of activities going on. And then you've got Area 51 and S4. Now, that's my personal favorite place. I would give just about anything to go and, and, and have an all-access tour of Dreamland. Like, S4 is my dream place. I'd love to go to uh, – like, do you have any conspiracy theory dream scenarios that you would like to – you know what I mean? Like for me, I would love to go into S4 and just check out the UFOs and see the project looking glass. Is there anything out of all these things in the posters, uh, on the poster, on the map, is there anything that you would like to be able to see firsthand and experience that you, you obviously haven't? Oh, that's awesome, man. I would like to see the inner earth civilizations because those are 4D, 5D beings who live within our earth. And a lot of these beings are able to fly, and the, the craft that they use are, are UFOs that can go through solid matter. And I heard that their civilizations are beautiful. And some of them are, some of the, well, they're telepathic beings. And they, they, they have like sort of like these jungle landscapes with exotic animals and it's just so amazing. I got I got to see this. Yeah, that's another one I've been getting into recently with uh, the Antarctica and the Hollow Earth. And basically the story that I've been able to understand is after or during World War II, during Hitler's reign, they had discovered all these things in Antarctica, knowing they're losing the war or in, in, I guess, running simultaneously with the war was they were shifting everything over to Antarctica. And they guess I guess they got I guess the Nazis got there first and they have this, you know, the stranglehold over that area. This is, again, what I've kind of my conclusion of what I've read. And so they the Nazis are up there still running it. They're in Argentina as well. But the majority of the Nazis moved to the North Pole. And uh, what is that? Is that Antarctica? Antarctica? I don't know. The North Pole is where I hear they went. There's a hole up there. You can go into the center of the earth from up there. We've sent an expedition up there. We there were UFOs and shit shooting us down, sending us away. Like I forget that that guy's name, but there was a general something who was he was sent up there. The aliens met him there. The Germans that were working with the aliens and the inner Earth civilizations met him there, and they said, "Get the hell out of here!" And they had like a battle. Um, and so yeah, the Nazis are still alive and well. They have infiltrated obviously the U.S. and they live in Antarctica and uh, Argentina. You know what I mean? So the Nazis never ended. They went into space. Oh, that too. Yeah, from from Antarctica, they go into space. Exactly. They went into space and they went outside of the solar system, which is crazy to even think about. Never to return. Yeah, that is crazy. It's uh, crazy to think that, uh, that they, they, they didn't lose and Hitler never died. And uh, yeah, some of them zoomed off planet. A lot of the SS scientists were not evil. They were just engineers and scientists who were making anti-gravity craft. 
So a lot of these uh, hotshot scientists made their own UFO crafts and just left the solar system completely and started civilizations of their own. So when we say the Nazis, you know, we think evil, but I, I know a lot of the scientists were trying to escape the, uh, the evil clutches of the, the groups by creating their own craft to, to escape. But um, the majority of the people who weren't able to escape just became slaves for the extended Nazi secret space program, which was allied with the reptilians and the Draco by then, which is why they have the UFO craft in the first place is because of the, uh, the real society, which made ET contact with the, the negative beings, the Draco and the reptilians, which helped the Nazis uh, obtain anti-gravity and help them program. That's, that's the history of World War II, which we are not being taught in schools. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. You really get into this stuff. And I have a history degree from a you know, uh, University of Central Florida. But, you know, again, you realize that the history, you look at the news now, it's all fake. So the news back then was fake. You there? Yeah. On oh. my Great Awakening map, it says Argentina, Hitler's hideout. So I was really happy when you mentioned that, being a historian. Oh, yeah. No, that's the thing. Like, History is written by the winners, and then you realize, okay, a lot of the primary source documents are all fake news. It doesn't matter what year it was, 1900, 1800, fucking fake news. And so you realize history is just this big, giant lie. Um, everything's been hidden from you to keep the elite in power, to keep their con control structure going. I mean, you look at a, co a corporation, the people that work for a corporation on the lower end, they're not evil. They're drones. They're slaves. They're, they're, they're debt slaves. They're trying to catch a check. You know what I mean? And so you've got the people at the top, though, the, the evil ones. They are awakened, but they're awakened to a nefarious purpose. I don't know if you follow the Nation of Islam much, but they have a structure where it's like 85% of humanity is asleep. 10% is awake and evil, and then there's the five percenters, right? The people at the top, the awakened people who are trying to serve humanity for, uh, in service to the light. I, I, I truly feel like that that uh, that number of people is pretty accurate. That there's a huge chunk chunk of people that are just straight up asleep, and uh, you know are bound by their karma to go in that direction, whatever that is. Cool, man. That sounds nice. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm just trying to, as I live my life and experience things, trying to come to a conclusion of what it is. Now, the ultimate conclusion is this is a dream. This is Maya. This is not a real reality as much as it is a real reality. And to not take it too seriously, to know that even people I despise, like Hillary Clinton and, uh, you know, what I mean, people like that, evil people, supposedly, they're part of that oneness, too. So I know we're getting... We're at the two-hour mark. I'm going to probably shut it down here in a minute because um, i got to start working. But I want to always leave on a positive note and understand that as much as we talk about fear-based things and evil people doing evil things, that we're all part of the one. We are all, uh, at, at, at our core, love. And, uh, you know, this is a, a play of light and dark, which we have to parse our way through and hopefully grow and escape. So this is – hopefully some of these things might scare you, but – uh, I want everybody to understand that uh, there's only one God, and it's love, and it's you, and it's me, and it's just the awareness in the room, and there's nothing to be worried about. And as much as these things exist in a reality, they don't exist in a reality because I tell people all the time, the only thing that's really real is what's in front of you right now. As much as I can say that there's shit on the moon or the media is out to get you, 
You know what I mean? It's really like a one-to-one situation with people. Like, what's in front of you? Show that person or thing or that situation love and non-judgment and unconditional love, and you should be all right. But, yeah, if you want to sit around and worry about what's on the TV screen and get, you know, amped up with fear about that and then take that out on your neighbor, you know, you know, that's another thing. But the truth is, if you become quiet enough, if you become still enough, you step outside of this reality and you realize that you're an awareness watching a dream of your own creation based on your, you know, energetic state, your desires, your, your, your beliefs all coming together to help you evolve to wake up, I guess, right? Just don't be one of those riders destroying Whole Foods or something like that. Oh, man, that's another story. But, yeah, I mean... If you look at the entire Great Awakening map, if you're going to take one thing from there, it's that you should be peaceful and loving at all times, no matter what yes. occurs to you. Yes. That's what, I wanted. that's what I really want the message to be. Peace and love. And there is darkness. We're here to integrate that into the the light but uh this is the journey of awakening and uh, uh as, as much as it's nice to think about the secret space program it most people that I'm, i just want to end with this as much as this is a, a wonderful tool don't let these things control you or become obsessive to the point where they you know get you caught up in fear or damage your life because a lot of people will tell me don't waste your time with that just you know like why are we wasting our any don't waste your time with any sort of maya and this is a sort of maya where it's like okay me and you talking right now that's maya but this is some real maya right here because these are concepts that uh, are, are barely approachable for a, a regular person and uh, it's like what kind of mind energy am i wasting on you know ancient builder race or the death star moon of saturn you know what i mean like how instead of sitting in peace and, and love and oneness um so that's the thing for me it's like i'm able to do this i'm able to sit here in that space and kind of hold the dark and the light relatively balanced i can get unhinged with these things for sure one thing i've noticed is when i get too deep and and in a rabbit hole that's very dark and full of negative energy I start stinking. My sweat changes its chemical composition, and I start smelling the fear. And so that's how I know when to back up. I'm, I'm relatively conscious when I'm doing these things. And so even then I know, okay, this is a nasty little stink hole here that's kind of got me caught up in it. So I, I, I love this poster. I'm obsessed with this poster. I know that a, like a majority of these things are true. And that being said, I don't want people to get scared knowing that some of these things are actually true, that there are deep underground military bases where all kinds of dark, Terrible things are happening. Um, but just know that the love and the light is all being brought out and into the open, and we're going to heal and all wake up collectively. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's truly an honor because, to me, you'll always be the meme god. And for me to finally chat with you is, like, so freaking awesome. And I just wanted to thank you. Well, likewise, and you know, if there's anything you want to say, uh, any, any, you, I said my little final thought there, but you're the guest, and it's a great poster. And what do you want to be your final thought for this poster and our conversation, and what you want to do going forward? It took me over ten years of researching the deepest rabbit holes in the entire universe and traveling to the most hyperdimensional realms you could ever imagine. And after creating the Great Awakening map, the thing that I love the most is the practice of Zogchen, the non-dual state of mind, 
because the non-dual state of mind is going to be the only thing that determines whether you are reborn or not. And if you are already thinking ahead to the next life you have, and you want to make sure that you're not reborn into samsara, into a body of suffering and ignorance and forgetfulness, all the countless lives you've ever had, then you should take this time now, this precious life that you have with this human body that's able to listen and hear the teachings of the non-dual state of mind, this is what will save you from having to be reborn again and again in life after life of suffering. And you may not even be lucky enough to have a human body that can hear and to understand meditation and, and the point of keeping your state of mind in an equanimous state of awareness at all times, being loving and peaceful no matter what happens to you or what happens to the world. Turn off the television and just focus inwardly on your own self-peace because once you obtain true inner peace, that is when you're going to start to see it occur in the world around you. Inner peace creates outer peace. So if everybody focuses on themselves and making sure that they are consciously loving and peaceful people at all times, this is how you have instant world peace. And this is how you shift yourself to a higher vibrational timeline. This is how you make sure that you are on the 5D timeline toward the new earth of unimaginable paradise and peace. Well, I couldn't say it better myself. That's really, at the end of the day, that's the only thing that really matters is understanding the truth of this existence and you know freeing yourself of it. Everything else is secondary, and having that understanding from the float tank and psychedelics, it's been, you know, dropping everything non-essential and running towards it. I tell people this all the time. Once you taste that sweet honey, that nectar of uh, the universe or bliss or whatever you want to call it, once you finally taste that, it is so wonderful, you are going to be w willing to do almost anything, uh, rid yourself of anything that is obstructing you from obtaining more to get there. To find the source of this uh, energy or this feeling or this bliss because it's worth more than anything you've experienced on this plane because it's the truth. And so, yeah, man, that's the best message we can leave with is, you know, find that inner stillness. And I'm going to look into your practice because obviously I've been kind of a Vipassana kind of person, but uh, when the universe is putting new things in front of me, not that I haven't heard of that before, but you know, it's such a, it's been such a profound practice for you. Um, I'm always looking to take it to the next level, even though I'm kind of like, I've got the float tank, you know what I mean? But, uh, God, I could just keep talking to you and, uh, I think we'll just have to save the rest for another time because we're right at two hours now and I'm just about ready to start, uh, getting the day started here. But the, uh, we appreciate you champ, uh, 5d awakening consciousness. It's the great awakening poster. You should go check it out. He's got all kinds of cool stuff on this on the website store there. And get yourself a t-shirt and support the Great Awakening. You'll have a wonderful conversation piece in your house. Like I said, the only reason I don't put this in the lobby of the Float Center is I'm already talking enough as it is. And I don't need to sit there and invite endless conversation about this poster. But this is something you'll want to put. If anybody that's listening to this that is into conspiracy theory is into higher dimensional stuff, into, into understanding the truth and the interconnection 
interconnectedness of this reality that we live in, this is your poster right here. This is like, I immediately got this framed as soon as I got it. And I got other posters that have been sitting in tubes for years. All right. That's just the level I'm on right now and the importance of this stuff. So we appreciate you. Uh, God bless. Find a float tank, y'all, that aren't floating because I know some of you can't float because of the COVID right now. But when that lifts, please float. Obviously, you're listening to two people here who it's helped uh, change their life dramatically, helped reach higher potentialities. So please Please float when you get the, the chance once the quarantine in your area ends. And just stop watching the TV and do what the man says. Please meditate. Please take care of yourself and find the truth of reality and act from that space. Y'all have a great night. Thanks, meme god. Stay enlightened. Yeah, man. No, you are. I, the meme god, I've, I've learned from the meme gods. I'm so thankful that those people took me in. The non-spiritual meme god, because that's how I learned to meme, from the non-spiritual meme gods. But I had to take my truth into the meme game, which was psychedelics, uh, floating, and spirituality, and do my meme. So that's the thing. I guess one last thing to say is be yourself. Be yourself. The universe created you for a reason. They didn't want you to be like Mike. They want you to be like yourself. It's the universe is demanding a unique expression, and through, and through that unique expression, you will have the greatest life possible because that's what you came here to do. So, champ, it's been a pleasure here. I'm going to end the thing here. Uh, hold on one second. Infinite blessings and to you. And